Welcome to the Inside Aesthetics Podcast. Our mission is to strip away the myths and hype that often surround the aesthetics industry. Inside Aesthetics aims to get to the bottom of the important topics that concern medical and allied health professionals, as well as the consumers themselves. We'll be showcasing the thoughts and experiences of experts in their respective fields. Each podcast will focus on a specialty, including surgery, non-surgical procedures, nutrition, well-being, and business knowledge from the personalities that have helped shape our industry. This podcast and its related publications provide news and general educational information about cosmetic procedures and well-being. It does not promote or endorse any cosmetic procedure, brand, or product. You should seek professional medical assessment before considering any treatment. Our guest today is Dr. Arne Nguyen. Dr. Arne is a specialist plastic and reconstructive surgeon based in Perth, Western Australia. She has a special interest in cosmetic facial, breast and body contouring surgery. Dr. Arne joined us on the podcast for two episodes in which we covered both surgical and non-surgical procedures relating to functional and aesthetic vaginal rejuvenation. Thank you for coming back, Dr. Nguyen. Appreciate your time. Thank you very much. So, Pleasure. Um, Welcome back. Yeah, Thank last you. episode we spoke about everything non-surgical in relation to like female genitalia with rejuvenations and tightening and all those sorts of things. So we thought we'll get you back and discuss the surgical options for people. Yeah, absolutely. So labiaplasties are probably the most common uh, procedure that a lot of women um, inquire about. And when they say labiaplasty, I don't think they really know exactly what they want. They just want that area to look neater, tidier. Nip and tuck. Yes. That's essentially it. And okay. Now, for guys listening, why is this so important to women? It's important because it's how we see ourselves and, you know, being able to wear nice lingerie or bathers and not feel self-conscious that there might be a bit of a bulge. Or even women at the gym, they go yeah. wearing their gym. So many women are in active wear. They don't feel yoga pants and they just feel that it might, they might, show a bit of a bulge that they're not comfortable with. Okay. Um, so from that point of view, from but also it's more, it can irritate, it's, you know, it can rub, it can chafe, uh, it affects, you know, intimacy to a, a massive degree particularly. Yeah. And that's because we all want to feel sexy and comfortable and if that area makes us feel a bit stressed, then it's yeah. going to affect the whole experience and then potentially the whole relationship yeah okay fair enough and so what does the term labiaplasty actually mean uh labiaplasty is just uh any sort of plastic surgery involving the labia right. but i mean that's what it is but labia is labia minora labia majora or it could be known as a vulvoplasty so the whole vulval area which is the external female genitalia right and it can include the clitoral hood lots of areas okay mm. Am I right in saying that the labia can change after pregnancy as well as menopause? Yes. So the labia goes through lots of changes. The female uh, vulval area, the whole um, outside area, changes from when pre-puberty. It typically is what we all think it is, the Barbie doll. Yeah. So just smooth, nothing. Smooth, you know, maybe a tiny slit. That's what we all think that it's supposed to look like. And then as with... uh, you know, with puberty, it changes. And then with uh, pregnancy and childbirth, it can change again. 
Do you um, mean so things become more prominent, more can loose? Be. And I think with uh, with pregnancy, it's just increased blood flow uh, to that whole area and you can stretch. Yeah. Um, and then I guess if you have, you know, vaginal deliveries, it changes that you might have an episiotomy, yeah. you can change the area. And then with ageing, uh, you've lost tone, I think, and so it just becomes a bit loose and so there's a bit more, it looks as though everything's hanging a bit more. Yeah. And then I think with menopause is more a change in the facial, I mean not the facial, but the volume distribution. So the outer lips lose so the labia majora becomes a bit more thinner. Yes. And as a result disproportionately the inner lips look bigger or more pronounced. So there's a disproportion. So for those who've got, say, mild degree of labia minora, you know, excess or apparent hypertrophy, you can just make the labia majora. Yeah, you can just add a bit of volume to the labia majora and that would change the proportions. So both of you guys are surgically trained, but I'm not, and probably a lot of people are listening that are not. Can yeah. you just maybe explain what labia majora versus minora? Um, we'll also tell you where the clitoris is. <laughs> 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 Thank you, Jake. <laughs> Go on, please. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's true. It's, uh, you know, in generic terms, to say the outer lips is the labia majora. Right. And then the inner lips is the labia minora and... Uh, and then the clitoral hood is just above. Right. And, is, and so it's um, it's usually when people talk about the labia, uh, wanting a labiaplasty, it's usually in reference to the labia minora. Right. That they want not to protrude beyond the labia majora. So right. they want to go back to, the best way to think about it is they, a lot of people want to go back to ha- the Barbie doll. Right, yeah. So they can't see anything. Okay. And the labiaplasty... Um, predominantly is addressing aesthetic issues other than like chafing and rubbing? It's, it's, it's purely for cosmetic or aesthetic purposes. It's usually a combination of both. I think they're both inter, interlinked. It's very rare that it's purely functional and it's very rare that it's purely cosmetic. Um, Do you have a threshold where, you know, it? when I say normal, I know there's everything is normal, but if it's so minor that maybe the risk of, you know, bleeding and scarring, et cetera, outweighs the benefits. Do you ever turn people away or is it a, a choice to, to them? What is normal? Oh, no, I, I do. Only because I always say, well, firstly, I need to understand what, what are the concerns and what is the end result that's going to make them happy. Yeah. And then is there something I can do to get them to that point? Okay. And if I can't get them, if one of those three things are missing, then we're not going to do it mm. because... We're never going to achieve the end point. Um, with every surgeon we've had on here, we've briefly touched on body dysmorphia and those types of issues. Is is this something you encounter particularly with the female intimate areas? You can do, um, but it's actually not that common, I think. I think most women who want something done in that area... There's a, the, an understandable reason. Well, you can. it's not that there's a problem with that area, but you can see how that would affect their self-confidence. Okay. Fair enough. Um, And in terms of um, patients or patient selection, do you find that people that have got what would be considered like more perfect down there perhaps would be people that are more difficult to please? So the closer they are to the ideal Barbie doll look, Mm. they're the ones that you maybe want to steer away from because you know that their expectation is just so high and the risk of something going wrong is just... They're too close. It yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So there are, you know, there are those who want things that are perhaps 
firstly, there are those, there are some people who come in wanting things that I can't see anything wrong. Mm. And so there's, the, we're not going to do anything there. Mm, right. And then those that there might be perhaps something to address, but you're worried that their expectations are not quite uh, realistic or that they're doing it for the wrong reasons, then I always uh, advise that they see a psychologist, which they don't like sometimes. Mm. Um, yeah, it's pretty and confronting to tell someone that. It'd be a very difficult conversation. It is, and it's and they don't like it. But, I mean, at the end of the day, we're, we have to, you know, we have to be patient advocates. We've got to look after their best interests. And, and I always explain, I can do surgery on you, but if you're going to change your life and you're going to make you better, I can't guarantee that. Could it make it worse? It might do. And so, you know, let's go and get another opinion to see whether this is right or not. And if there are some cases that are purely, no, that I can't do what they want me to do, then I refer them to America. Oh, America. Okay. Yeah. There, there's... Um, a bit more gung-ho over there. Oh, no. Mm. Well, there's a surgeon um, who is in, I think he's in California, but he did lots of... Um, he did Caitlyn Jenner's gender reassignment. Oh, wow. And he's a guru. Gary Alter is a guru in labioplasty. And really? he does all sorts of things such as clitoropexies and like lifting the clitoris and anchoring it up and things that I've read about, but I'm not going to do. Wow. Because, um, I mean, you know, for anyone who wants to know, I guess for those who don't know where the clitoris is, uh, <laughs> they're... It, forget where the clitoris is. The nerve to the clitoris is north, midline, and deep. Yeah. And so even if you stimulate that area, you're probably going to be okay. You get close. And so clitoropexy <laughs> is surgery in that tiger country. Yeah, Because yeah, if you're right. lifting it and you're anchoring it deep down into bone, uh, there's a nerve there that's, yeah, I don't know how to avoid that. pretty high risk and yeah. Uh, yeah. potential for disasters. Yeah. yeah, you could end up with a... A situation that was is much worse than what you Absolutely. started with. Absolutely, and this is what you sort of have to explain to patients that you know there's nothing worse than not you know than it being uncomfortable, painful, and it's going to you yeah, know. you don't want something that looks great that's not functional. Yeah, no. Um, so, can you just explain to us how the procedure works? Um, and do you do it under local and some sedation? Do you do do it under a full GA and? Just give yeah. us a little bit of a rundown on that. Yeah. So when I assess someone for a labiaplasty, we it's essentially just I want to find out what the areas that bother them and then to clarify. So exactly you just after, you know, this bit of tissue reduced and I show them in a the mirror and, you know, we go through it. Or do you want the area as neatest, as tidiest, as, you know, as, as – yeah, it's needed tidy and so that nobody can tell you've had anything done. That's yep. the beauty of labiaplasty. Different techniques down the track, you won't be able to tell that they've had anything done at all because yeah. it heals so beautifully. Um, and then so most of the time it is a labia minora reduction to some degree as well as perhaps a bit of a clitoral hood reduction because you don't want to make the labia minora smaller and then have a prominent clitoral hood. Hmm. And so it all has to be proportionate. And then in a few patients, it's also the labia majora that needs a reduction as well. Um, and so we do that assessment um, and then it can be performed either under general anaesthetic in the hospital or under local anaesthetic uh, completely uh, just in the clinic. Okay. And does that do, does your decision on how to do that, where to do that procedure based on 
a case-by-case basis or is it a patient preference? It's usually a patient preference. I can do it either way. Um, And I never thought it could be done under local anaesthetic, but uh, I went to this meeting where it was Gary Alter um, versus a female plastic surgeon who did them purely under local in her office, in, in the chair is how she described it. And I thought, no way, it's just not possible. How on earth can you inject a needle that area without some screams? Uh, and so she uses a topical, like an Emla type agent and leaves it on for a bit and then injects it, works a treat because the area is so vascular. Yeah, right. So vascular. And so it's, it's yeah, it's totally possible. To okay. do under local anesthesia. Do you have a preference for one or the other or um, as a surgeon? Presumably there's a quite a big cost difference. So Yeah, that's why we do a lot of them under local, just because yeah. it's huge cost difference for yeah. the patients. No hospital say, no anaesthetist, no Absol- GA. Yeah, no GA. And, and, and quicker recovery for the patient too, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, my patients sit there and they watch Netflix movies <laughs> or they join in the conversations with myself and my nurses right. as we're, you know, criticising our partners or something. Yeah, right. Yeah. So okay. we just have fun and banter and they or they listen. I've had patients lie there and play Candy Crush, that you know, their headphones fantastic. play. It's, it's pretty chilled. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I guess in some ways, like having a minor gyne procedure, you yeah. don't need to necessarily sometimes be knocked out for yeah. them. Yeah. But I guess you're going to have those patients that just go, just knock me out. I don't want to know what's happening. Absolutely. I don't and want to hear fine. anything. Absolutely. I just want to wake up and it's all magically going to be. Yeah. And, and we always sort of say the surgical, what we do surgically doesn't change, whether it's under general or local. Admittedly, it's probably quicker for us under general anesthetic. Because they're not moving. You don't yeah. Have to, and we don't have to keep talking to them, make sure they're okay, all those yeah. sort of elements of it. Yeah. But it's probably quicker and easier for a patient under local anesthetic because they come straight in, they numb, they have the procedure. A bit yeah. of, you know, ice and recovery afterwards and they go home. As opposed to in a hospital, you might be there for the entire day and waiting yeah. for your turn. You know, there's... Those elements. And I guess for some patients, it's also a privacy issue. Yeah. You know, because they don't want their name on a list with what they're having done to be seen by so many people that someone might know someone yeah, who knows someone yeah, else, yeah. you know. Did you hear so-and-so's having, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah do you know what I mean? And I guess um, a lot of those anaesthetic drugs are pretty heavy duty on the body. They can take weeks or months to completely flush out. So if you can avoid that. I, yeah. I, if To be honest... Now that I've seen so many and they've done, it's totally doable. It's only from a a sort of a mindset point of view. If you're yeah. really anxious, you know what, just so, go yeah. under a general. Or the the ones we do commonly under general, they're having other procedures done. So yeah, that's, right. that's include. So we just. So you might make that uh, potentially part of like a mommy makeover type yeah, of situation. Yeah, or they, they they always say, "I'm doing this, this." Oh, actually, can you go down there and do this as well? How many women sort of tack it on to a more major operation like breast augmentation and they're like, oh, whilst I'm asleep, can you just trim yeah. that for me as well yeah. rather than coming in for a primary labiaplasty? Yeah, yeah. It's that, quite it's quite common, is it's it? It's quite common. Because I think, you know, people are time poor now. They want one lot of downtime. If they're going to be down for a particular time, get it all done. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, you might even find there'd be a percentage of patients that, that's actually what they really want done, but they might be coming in for something else and just oh, by the way, so it's not such a big deal. I can- Absolutely. And my, you know, the girls who make the bookings know. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I think it's this because they won't say. Yeah, okay. They're a bit coy about it. And yeah. yeah, all the time, you know, at the end of the consult, oh, by the way, can I also ask about something else? Mm. Yeah. Like, what I really yeah. came in to It'd be a very about. confronting conversation to have. I mean, it doesn't I get, it it doesn't, doesn't get be, more intimate than that, does it really? It, it is. And I think, you know, even my patients who have had other surgeries, once they develop that rapport and that relationship, then they'll say, oh, by the way, 
this has been really bothering me. Is yeah. there anything you can do about it? Mm. I can sort of understand how the labia menorah are, you know, it's like a skin tag. You can just sort of trim it away and, and sew the edges together. But how do you do the majora? Because they are on the outside. Yeah. Are you going to scar or not? You, if you place it in the right place, it's very hard to see the scar. Okay. And what are you, what, what are you removing from the majora? So usually, again, it's extra tissue um, and... You know, just like I was particularly weight loss patients, for example. So I sort of say, just imagine you're wearing your size 14 jeans, but you really should be a size 12. Where okay. we're going to take so it's excess taking, skin. taking a bit of you know a, a nip and tuck essentially. That's what we're doing. Okay. We kind of do it at the junction line, so it blurs it. And we can laser it afterwards, but it heals really nicely. You don't see it. Mm. Mm. Um, and is this something that I mean, like a facelift, for example, probably lasts what 10 years until you might need a revision? Is this something that's like a done? One, done once and that's it or is it something that will continue to change again post-surgery or is that like very case by case? I think it's of? case by case but it's very rare. I don't yeah. see I don't see how it could go unless you, you've got lots and lots and lots of years and lots of changes for it to go back. Yeah, you know? okay. Um, so the procedure itself, so it can be done under local or general anaesthetic, generally patient preference. You're yeah, quite absolutely. Comfortable I'm doing happy it under either. Both. Yeah. Um, you said it's fa- fairly like it's fairly straightforward. Fairly straightforward. Like as in, I don't yeah. want to say that your job's straightforward. <laughs> oh, no, 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 as far no, as procedures yeah. go, it, yeah, it, it is fairly straightforward. Um, the you know the toughest thing is getting over that you're having the procedure done, yeah. and then it's committing to the downtime. And the downtime's not bad in the sense of you can't do things. You can do things, um, but we don't want you to do things because it's a dependent area. It can swell. And, you know, we want to try and control that the degree of swelling in the first, you know, 72 hours. Yeah. Um, and so the less you do, the better. Um, and what are the things that potentially couldn't go wrong? Yeah. And so most commonly it's um, swelling and swelling happens anyway, but there are some people who swell, you know, to a to the size of a lemon or a grapefruit and those that don't swell at all. And so when you swell so much, you know, there's increased stretch and pain um, and it just takes longer to recover and then the dissolvable sutures might get pulled apart. And yeah, so right. wound breakdown is probably the commonest uh, issue depending on how the labiaplasty is performed, whether it's a trim or a wedge or part of that. Uh, most of it usually heals of its own and then you can look at, you know, a minor finesse revision sort of six months or beyond down the track just for a bit of an edge that needs to be revised um, that's the commonest complication, but otherwise there aren't really many others. I mean, yes, you could get some scarring, but the area is quite vascular and heals quite well. And, you know, sensitivity issues might change and it naturally would anyway, because you're cutting through tissue and the nerves in that area will change. But I sort of explained to patients, well, your labia menorah, what do you feel? You don't really feel anything. So no. how do you know what it feels like versus how it doesn't feel? It's not you know, of sexual consequence, so to yeah. speak. And so that shouldn't change. Um, and and it's mainly just, you know, expectations, you okay. know, aesthetic outcomes that they want versus that they don't want. Um, things like, uh, like sorry, like infection, hematoma, seroma, those things can happen uh, here or not really? We don't really get seromas. Um, you can get a hematoma, but uncommon. Um, and hematomas will either settle themselves or they will discharge and, you know, through an opening and it will heal. Um, yeah, hematoma, seromas, what was the oh, what was infection. The infection, infection, 
is actually uncommon in that area. When I first started doing these years ago, I used to give them all antibiotics mm. and then I had more patients come back with thrush. Yeah, and so yeah. I don't use antibiotics now as a rule. Um, occasionally someone needs it, but very rarely. I forgot to ask something in our first episode on the non-surgical treatments, but it actually sits really well with this. In the UK, I came across people using dermal fillers for the labia majora. majora. Yes. Is that something that you support, don't support? And if you do, how do you do it? Yeah, so um, you can use uh, dermal fillers to plump, uh, or it's not really plumped, to restore lost volume yeah. uh, in the labia majora. Like uh, a lip on the face. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, classic, the classic agent used to be the, can't use any brand names, but yeah, ones you use the cheap. Yeah, a thick, thicker, thicker, high G prime product. Yeah. Um, in that area, and that can work quite a treat, just an injection or two per side. Okay, um, so you're doing or two one or two mils? Per side. Yeah, probably at least per two side. mils per side. Okay. Yeah, or you can use fat now um, as an alternative. And presumably the same as the face, that's going to last a year, maybe 18 Usually months. Usually about two years or longer, yeah. Two years, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, just touching on the procedure itself again. So you were saying um, the procedure itself doesn't really have any bearing on um, – on sexual intercourse or sensitivity around that area. Is there anything that can change that at all? I thought I read somewhere something about it potentially becoming like overly sensitive, which could, could be an issue, or is that have I just med read something incorrect? I think theoretically it could, um, uh-huh. but I don't. Like there are no major nerve that you're going to cut other than sort of like fine skin nerve endings right. in that area. So... I mean, I guess you could always get an entrapped nerve that can cause pain, but yep. it's very, mm. very like I don't, I don't think I've ever seen it. Um, okay. okay. If we think anatomically, and so, I mean, all of the actual scientific papers would say that it has like an over eighty nine percent satisfaction That's and great. over ninety two percent sexual improvement. And I don't think it's a sexual improvement from a physical point of view. Mm. I'm sure it's more just they can actually orgasm and enjoy themselves because they don't. They're not worrying about that. Yeah. They're letting themselves go. Okay. Yeah. Mm. How many of these procedures do you think you've done over the years? Over a thousand. Wow, that's a lot. Mm. Gosh. Yeah. And the clitoral hood um, reduction that we, I think we touched on earlier, is that as common or do people come in as a primary issue? My clitoral hood's too big? Uh, very rarely. It's, uh, but it's always... Well, while you're there, can we do something to that? And yeah. we always explain to patients, we generally do a bit anyway because it's all about just trying to give you – and this is – it goes back to the same analogy that we spoke about earlier in the sense of you've come because you want that area to look the best that you can because you want it, the sexual freedom sure. or independence or confidence. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like – It's a bit like doing the cheeks without a deflated lip. Yeah, it absolutely. It just doesn't look – Proportioned. Yeah, or you go into an interior decorator and you say, I just want the walls painted. It's like, yeah, but <laughs> what about the lights and the carpet's going to change when you change the colour of the walls, you know? Yeah. And so it's also a degree of judgment as well. Yeah. Um, this wasn't in our questions, but I guess it's relevant. Women who maybe have got a larger clitoris than they might like, or I've read that, you know, if you've unusually taken steroids or some hormones, you can get hypertrophy of the clitoris. Is that something that you would take on or you refer to a uro, uh, 
genital surgeon? Uh, I'd probably refer to an endocrinologist. An endocrinologist. Okay, yeah. sure. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, yeah, I I wouldn't know what to do there and I wouldn't want to touch it from okay. a surgical point of view. It'd probably be more, if you can change it with hormones or medications, that's probably going to be better. Do you think, mm. c- can it shrink once don't it's know. big? I'm not I sure. I guess it's like big boobs. If you lose the weight, they'll just sort of sag and... Yeah, I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure. But I mean... You know, on the positive, it's it's not a bad thing. David can find it if it's big. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jake, 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 so, Jake, lowering the tone. It's okay. Again. We've got many more podcasts to come, and uh, <laughs> I have a long memory. No, so no, it's good. But, but you know, it's, it's just sort of trying to explain to patients how they feel, and often a lot of patients just need a bit of reassurance. And that, I guess that's one of the nice things about a woman. I can talk openly sexually with other women. And they probably and they will won't. Believe you. That, that, and yeah, they will believe me for a, like because I'm quite open and honest. Whereas I don't know if I'd like a guy telling me about what I can do with a big clitoris. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It just it's a bit condescending and inappropriate. Well, I yeah. don't know about condescending. It's just more I don't know embarrassing. Maybe yeah. be a bit embarrassed. Whereas of course, yeah. if I'm talking to a woman who's had kids and whatever else, and it's like, yeah, you've just we got all that know. woman connection. Well, it'd be like I, a female doctor talking to a man about uh, impotence. Would probably be a bit not so comfortable. It's hard, yeah, yeah, because you know it's that understanding or yeah, that empathy. Absolutely. Mm. Um, female genital mutilation. That's kind of a bit of a side topic but I guess it mm. becomes relevant for what you do yes do you encounter this in Australia and if so what are the issues I have actually had to reconstruct a few right. um and they were from Africa yeah and they had been circumcised uh when they were younger should we just define what it is um yeah so um, female genital mutilation broadly is I mean specifically sort of referred to women being circumcised Hmm. um, for cultural reasons. I think classically in Africa uh, when they were younger. Uh, I mean, I think now broadly everyone, some people even define labiaplasty under that category because any surgery or anything touching that area can be deemed as female genital mutilation according to some some, you know, classifications, so to speak. Right. But it's more, I mean, there's a couple of issues. One is the obvious physical um, scarring as well. And then the other element is the psychological post-traumatic stress issues. And and to be clear, when you say circumcision on a female, what is happening? Uh, Essentially, they've had everything taken away as much as possible. So the clitoris. Yeah, uh, everything's just cut away. And, and usually what I find is just scarring. God, a lot that's of scarring. absolutely terrible, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's horrific, actually. And I'm right in saying that in some cultures they also sort of sew things up and, it, you know, it sounds awful. Have you encountered that? I haven't or? quite encountered that, no. Right, okay, mm. fair enough. Gosh. And so how do you go about sort of counselling these people before even considering an operation? I mean, that's... Yeah, so I, I mean, we obviously do all of our, you know, uh, consultation and and discussions, but we refer them on to a psychologist. Okay. Mm. Yeah, that would be, um, yeah, very very confronting, very horrible to deal with. And it's really yes, and I think it's more 
we're just trying to give them a bit more confidence and make it less painful because scar contracture, like a burn, I guess, it's just become thick and hard and scarred mm. in that area. Presumably you're you're making things cosmetically better but not functionally? Um functionally in the sense of it's not so it's not painful anymore. Okay. Yeah. 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 Now one thing that I guess people like to know, and I know it's always hard to talk to a doctor or a surgeon or whatever about prices, but I think it would be good if people could get some yeah. sort of indication and understand you're sure. probably um, at the I guess premium end of the market, um, probably. Yeah. Um, but like in terms of like the like the Mona Lisa touch and these procedures, could you maybe just give us a, a rough idea about what people should potentially yeah, sure. be expecting? I mean, I think if you were having non-surgical procedures such as the Mona Lisa touch or any of the sort of radiofrequency or non-surgical vaginal treatments, uh, it could, and usually it's a course of treatments, I think, you know, I think it's quite reasonable to expect, you know, across Australia anywhere from 2500 to $5,000 for a course of those sort of treatments, depending mm-hmm. upon what That's they need done. That's three to five treatments? Yeah. It depends on what they need doing, whether it's internal, external treatment or lots of things. Sure. Um, so that's sort of like that's sort of the investment. And I think if you're having sort of a labiaplasty, depending on what you do, if it's just, you know, labia minora or a small, you know, stock standard, you're probably looking at an investment of about 5000 Okay. Even yeah, under local? It, yeah, under local. Yeah. Right. Okay. Whereas if you're going under general, it's probably going to double that. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So in the same way as I sort of say, similar to an investment if you're doing your breasts, what you could expect. Yeah. Coming Same spectrum. Again, there's no set price, but we, we sort of heard the rough price for a breast augmentation is around 10-ish. I mean, yeah. obviously there's a very high premium and, and less than that. But I thought that price would be associated with the implant and, you know, the GA and stuff. So, yeah, 5000 that surprises me. Yeah. In what, in, it surprises so no, you like more than was, what you thought? I thought it would be a quick little... Well, not quick, but quicker. Yeah, well, actually, it it sort of depends. A lot of people do labiaplasty. So you could go to um, a gynecologist who'd happily do it, and often it's different techniques. So uh, it would be like if you wanted a tiny trim, that's, you know, it's a clamp, and then trim it off and then oversew it. And and that's different to... That's the rough and ready way of doing it. Yeah, and I mean, it does what you need to do functionally, for example, if that's it, but if... Um, if you want it done to a way that you can't see you've had it done before and you're changing yeah. the whole shape and proportions of it, you know, and it takes like an average labiaplasty for me would take one sixty to 90 minutes. Okay. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah. So it's not, it's not That makes more sense because it's yeah. time dependent. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess even though you're saying it's straightforward, I mean, it's straightforward to you because you've done, you've done all the training, yeah. but I mean, in terms of it might just be like a cut, but knowing where, how, like to make it seamless yeah. and to all that sort of yeah. proficiency comes with yeah. like years and things you're paying for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're seeing. So, and our first episode was more non-surgical treatments for people who are maybe offering injectables or they're in the Medispa type environment and they might want to offer say Mona Lisa touch. Where do they train and, I guess there's going to be an issue if you're a, a male doctor. You know, it might be quite difficult to train. So, how how would you sort of recommend that people go about that? Um, to the the companies that you know sell these machines, uh, they do. It's it's not what people think is that you know that you just sell as many machines as possible and you don't worry about the consequences. Mm. Um, they do do a lot of training and they don't let you use it 
until you're certified. Understandable. And so, um, so the process is fairly rigorous. So there's no one who's got a machine that is just having, having a, a go. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And so, um, there's so from the the laser point of view, it's pretty it's pretty safe. Um, from an injectable point of view. It's, I mean, I think lots of the injectable companies will have, you know, people you can go to for training in those sort of certain areas. Yeah. Um, and I forgot to ask, when we were talking about um, the labia majora fillers, is that something you'd use a cannula, presumably? Uh, you could use either. Okay. Because mm. I guess it's more, it's a large space. Yes. And so a bit like, you know, a temple region, you can, you know, do... Actually, this is something to say. I do this, I can do, offer patients this, you know, the saline test. Oh. And so what I'll do is, okay, we'll inject some saline. It'll be gone in within 24, 48 hours. It gives you a bit of an idea of what it can look like, just so you know. You know, yeah. I do that for the temples because some people are like, why do I want anything in my temples? Okay, let me do this and see how you go. And yes. so that's always a good way of doing it because the space fills up very easily. Yeah. And so um, it should be fine. Okay. Mm. okay. And I mean, even something like those sticker fillers, you can dilute them with local anaesthetic. And so it's a bit softer, yes. but it's still going to give you that volumizing effect as well. Yeah. And, and, and safer as well. I guess to qualify, this is completely off-label. So it's uh, presumably done with your experience yeah. rather than just doing it for the first time on your own. Yeah. So please don't do this at home if you're an injector. <laughs> um, <laughs> One last question from me was: Do you ever do you ever do the say the Mona Lisa touch and a labiaplasty together, or they absolutely you, okay? The yeah. combination treatment. Yeah, absolutely combination. I mean, you can, um, you know, the Mona Lisa touch has been used for mild labia yep. reduction if you wanted yep. to. I don't know if it causes enough tissue sort of contraction to do yep. that, um, but most patients want the area improved. Yeah. And so if it's a labiaplasty, they want it to look better and feel better, but they want the sexual confidence as well. So yeah. while they're there, they might say, well, actually, yeah. it's, it's a bit loose after kids. I wouldn't mind a bit of help there. Yeah. So I guess it's easier to get it all done in one setting. Yeah. Done. And then they come back later and do, I always say do one first and then do that with your procedure, the surgery, and then do the third treatment you know, before you're ready to... Mm. Okay, perfect. Mm. Would you say all of these procedures are like a new subspecialty of plastics or...? I think it's a growing subspecialty of plastics. I think it's always been an area that people, women are interested in, um, but now it's becoming a bit more... I mean, not it's, it's less taboo, so to speak, so more people are happy to talk about it and share it. Share yeah. the experience. We did it, had a patient have a labiaplasty and without us knowing, she told everyone on social media and she even offered anyone who wants pictures, I'm happy to send them to it. Yeah. To you. Like, so she's very open and honest. She yeah. says, well, if I can help one mum, 10 mums, 50 mums feel better about themselves, yeah. why not? And presumably it's pretty anonymous. Yeah, yeah, well, you wouldn't know because, <laughs> and, you know, and a lot of patients are very self-conscious, oh, I don't know what, what's going to happen to my photos. And I said, I honestly don't remember whose is whose. Of course. How, it's, how it's would you? Like you just don't. And so, but if you're the patient, of course, you, you're worried that. Someone can see your face from that zoomed in photo of your genitalia. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. And do you only, um, 
uh, do you have a consult around the country at all or just purely based in Western Australia? I just in WA. Oh, that might change. You might get yeah. so busy, you might have to travel around. Travel After around the podcast the goes live. <laughs> you might have all these nurse injectors referring people to you. Oh, yeah. I don't mind. An excuse to travel around. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You mm. come visit us again. Well, thank you so much. I know you've been very generous with your time. I know you're a busy lady, so thank you for coming and seeing us. We very much appreciate it. Um, can you just remind us again how people get in contact with you, how they yeah. find you, how they find you? Yeah, sure. So you can find me um, at drarn.com.au, so D-R-A-N-H.com.au or on Instagram, uh, drarn underscore female plastic surgeon. Very good. Mm. Well, thank um, you. Yeah, thank you. Hope your your feet recover from the cold walking with Anthony uh, Robbins, Tony Robbins, (laughs) and uh, have a safe trip back home to Western Australia. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. you.